You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into a very special edition of Socks in the Basement. It is opening day. Socks in the Basement has decided on top of the live shows that we have added while you are stuck inside of your houses to also present a simulation of the White Sox season. What does this mean? It means today we're going to try in about 45 minutes to give you a radio broadcast of the White Sox versus the Royals from U.S. Cellular Field with the help of MLB The Show 20. Last podcast, we worked on the rosters. There's been one quick adjustment. We were able to figure out how to get Zach Collins into the minors. Yerman Mercedes will join as the 26th man. We've got everything fixed now. We're ready to go with what was the probable roster before spring training was canceled. That does not mean we won't have changes this year. That does not mean that we won't have changes to the lineup. We're going to let you get involved. But for today, I want you to pour yourself a beer. Maybe... Order out some food from Cork and Carry at the park. They're on Grubhub. Go get some food, some ballpark specialties, pour yourself a beer, sit back, relax, and strap it down, as they say, because the White Sox are coming to you through Socks in the Basement. Before we get started, I'm going to throw it out to my pal, my partner in crime, still stuck in his house as we wait through some things here to make sure he's healthy, everybody over here is healthy, before he can join me here in studio at my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. Dave is on the line. How are you, buddy? Uh, doing good, man. Busy. Busy, 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 busy. That's a good thing. You're running your whole school like on the internet now, which is awesome. Yeah, we're like about 80% there. We're about 80%, uh, well, I'd say 75% completely online, like. There are a few stragglers, um, and then we're still experimenting with some things uh, to kind of make the students' online experience with us better. It's been du- it's been busy. <laughs> That's good. Well, now now you'll be able to sit down and listen to opening day in the background. And before we get to it, who do you want to give us? I'm going to have you be the first person for opening day. Give me your picks to click in this White Sox lineup today. Man, I'm going to go with Grandal. Yeah. Batting in, the, batting in the five hole, Yasmani Grandal. The five hole. I'm going with Grandal today. Yeah. He's got uh, Incarnacion behind him. So, you know, he's got some pretty good protection back there, I think. Um, I'm, expecting a, I'm expecting a good day out of Grandal today. That's awesome. What do you think Tim Anderson's going to do in the leadoff spot today? That's going to be the big, the big question for me. Does TA perform in the leadoff spot? Um, I will say this. I like him better. I like him there better than I like Mancata there. So I would rather have Anderson one and Mancata two than the other way around. What do you think Tim is going to do in the in the leadoff spot? I mean, what are you seeing? I see Tim Anderson getting on base a couple times today. I see him contributing in the leadoff spot. I feel confident in what he's going to do in opening day in front of this crowd. The man gets hyped up against Kansas City, and we get to kick off this thing in front of a, a sold-out crowd at guaranteed rate field. I'm also interested to see what Luis Robert is going to do. He's down towards the bottom of the order. I think as this simulated games go on, he'll be elevating himself, but he doesn't look like he's going to be a powerhouse starting because 
He's got the ratings of a rookie when you go out there. The game is going to make him have to actually earn it, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. The big question is, is how long does Lucas Giolito stay out on the mound today when he goes out there for opening day, and will he dominate, or is that something that's going to come along with time as he gets his first few starts underneath his belt? I see a good start from him. I see six, you know, I'll say maybe like six and a third, six and two-thirds innings. I'm going to say three earned runs. So quality, I'm going to say quality start. All right. Are they winning or losing today, Dave? Oh, oh they're, dude, they got this. They're winning. That's good. We got confidence. That's Dave. I'm Chris. Dave, I need you to do me a favor now, because if I do it, it's going to sound weird. You need to throw it out to me at the ballpark so we can get this game underway. All right. Well, back to my partner out at the ballpark, Chris Lanuti on opening day. Socks in the basement. Thank you, Dave. It is opening day. Socks in the basement presenting you. With a simulated White Sox season, courtesy of MLB The Show, presented by Sox in the Basement, and also presented by our fine sponsors, Cork and Carey at the Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Guaranteed Rate Field. My name is Chris Lanuti. We have a sold-out fan base, and they are hyped up and ready to go today as the White Sox move on from rebuild and get to the next phase, which is let's win some ball games. Last year, the White Sox, ninth in the American League in ERA and saves, 11th in walks allowed, and ninth in home runs allowed. But they have their ace on the mound today, Lucas Giolito, all-star from last year versus Brad Keller of the Kansas City Royals. These, this team has a big history with Brad Keller. Let's see if we get some fireworks today to kick off the season. It's game one of 162 presented by Sox in the Basement. If you're hungry, go check out Cork and Carry at the Park on Grubhub. Look at that menu. Get some ballpark food. They deliver. Crack open a couple of beers. I got a Johnny Walker double black here in the studio with me as we get ready for opening day and enjoy a little quick broadcast of opening day baseball from Sox in the Basement and Cork and Carry at the Park. Lucas Giolito ready to get going today. 29 starts last year, 14-9 with an ERA of 341, a 1.06 whip. There are closers in baseball that are successful with a 1.06 whip. If he can repeat what he did last year, you will be happy. He wants to do better. Mondesi stepping in for the Royals. We are ready to play ball as Giolito settles in for the per first pitch of the game. And that is a strike, and we are underway. Mondesi, one for 17. Lifetime against Giolito with six strikeouts. First pitch was at 110 this afternoon as Giolito gets ready for pitch number two, 0-1 count. Inside at the knees, 60 degrees, partly cloudy today. Wind 10 miles an hour, blowing straight out to center field. Those flags are sticking straight out into the beyond. I think we're going to see some dingers today beginning of the season circle change 80 miles an hour brings the count to one and two Giolito had a great season last year but he exudes confidence and I think that's the thing that White Sox fans are very excited about this year the possibility that they not only have an ace but they've got a bulldog that's going to come out there every five days and bring it he brings it here inside fouled off right off the dugout down the first baseline still one and two Giolito with his next pitch Rondal was ducking down to block that plate and it was fouled off towards the White Sox dugout. Pitch on the way. Inside. 94 miles an hour right on the edge of the inside part of the plate. Could not get it from the umpire. Two and two the count. 
Gordon is on deck right now. Alex Gordon, a vet. Hitting second in this lineup as the Royals are in the middle of a rebuild and the White Sox are coming out of it. 94-mile-an-hour offering by Giolito fouled off. Seventh pitch, no, eighth pitch right now coming from Giolito in a long at bat, and he struck him out. Curveball, lower part of the strike zone, and Montessi swung right through it. He fooled him on that curveball, too. He is swinging right where the ball is at the top of the arc, and by the time it hit the plate, it was low and just resting comfortably inside of Yasmani Grandel's glove. Alex Gordon comes to the plate here with one out in the top of the first inning. The pitch on the way. Low and outside, 1-0. and Giolito with the next offering. That is popped up, drifting back. Now we're going to have, coming in from right field, Mazzara will come in from right field. I thought Garcia was going to drift back and make that play. Mazzara comes in, makes a nice defensive play, and that's two down. And you needed that, I think, after the, the first at-bat. First at-bat, you have to pitch eight pitches to start off. Whit Merrifield now coming up, hitting 302 last year with 16 home runs. But you start off the game having to go through a long first at-bat. You want a guy to, to put the first or second pitch in the play for an out uh, on the very next batter, and it worked out well for Giolito. His first pitch on the way to Merrifield. Outside corner, strike one, four for 25, Merrifield, in his career with 16 strikeouts against Lucas Giolito. This one again popped up in the right. Mazzara on his horse, and he makes the play. So they go down one, two, three. The White Sox coming up in the bottom of the first for the first time all season. Anderson, Mancada, Abreu. You're listening to White Sox Simulated Baseball on Socks in the Basement, brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park. Order now on Grubhub from Cork and Carry at the Park. Brad Keller, 7-14 last year with a 1.35 whip. A high ERA was in the 1-4s, and Tim Anderson steps in, who is clearly his nemesis currently in baseball. And I think fans would love to see T.A. get a hold of one early here as he takes ball one high and see him do a bat flip and kick off this season in absolute style. And I think Brad Keller would want anything but that right now. And that makes a very interesting, very early on storyline here at the plate as T.A. leads off. Next pitch called high at the letters. 2-0 to T.A. as pitch number three is on the way. Down the middle, and T.A. drives this one to the gap. Get up! It's off the wall! Anderson on his way to second. And Tim Anderson, gapper into left center field, is standing up at second base, and he leads off the season in a role where he was doubted by all members of Sacks in the Basement as a leadoff hitter. He shows everybody with a double off of Keller to get things going, and there is a buzz in this stadium as Yoan Moncada steps up to the plate. Low and outside, ball one. Keller is already rattled four pitches into the game, you can see. Hat is off, walking around the mound as Yoan Moncada steps in for pitch number two. Anderson with a nice lead at second base. The pitch. Low and inside. Fouls it off. And it is one and one. Keller sets. One, one count. Checks Anderson. The pitch. Inside ball two. Ed Drummond is the home plate umpire today. We'll see what kind of ump uh, Ed is. He has been pretty good right now with pitches on the edges. The pitch. Low. Ball three. Three and one the count with Abreu on deck and Anderson dancing over at second base. Brad Keller has found the strike zone once so far in seven pitches. Let's see what he does here. The pitch. That was going to be a strike. Moncada fouls it off down the third baseline and a full count. Keller sets. Anderson leads. The pitch. 
fouls off an inside pitch that was a borderline one. Back behind the plate, Keller resets and will do it again. 3-2 pitch, pitch number 10 of the game for Keller. Fouls off an outside pitch. Mankata's protecting there. That could have been a borderline ball call. He wasn't getting those calls two years ago. He's starting to get them, but in this situation, he is going to fight as he fouls off yet another one. Yoan Mankata refusing to go down. Tim Anderson ready to sprint. Let's see what happens as Keller delivers. That ball is chopped up the middle. Nice play at short. Mankata will be out. Anderson, though, with a heads-up base running, and he is standing on third base with one out as Jose Abreu comes to the plate. Aloy Jimenez stands out there on the on-deck circle. A lot of people predicting a big year from him at the plate and a power show. But here's the veteran, the father figure of the White Sox with the first pitch low and called ball one. Anderson standing at third base, 90 feet away. A sack fly will give the White Sox their first run of the season. Chopped, and it's over the glove of third base, down in the corner. Left fielder giving chase. Abreu rounds. He's coming into second. The play, safe under the tag. And the White Sox lead one to nothing. That just gets over the glove at third base. It was almost an amazing play. I don't know if they would have gotten T.A., he was gone on contact at third base. It would have been close at first, but instead it turns into a double and Anderson scores easily as Aloy Jimenez steps in with Abreu on second. And the first pitch is chopped to short. Abreu gets checked back to second. And Jimenez, one pitch, one out. Two outs now in the inning for Yasmani Grandel. The acquisition that changed the direction of the Chicago White Sox. Yasmani Grandel with two outs, and Jose Abreu standing on second base with run one run already in. And he takes a high inside fastball for strike one. Keller bearing down at this point, doesn't want to let another run come in. The pitch, outside for ball one. One and one the count, as Abreu takes a moderate lead at second base. The pitch, outside borderline call, the ump, goes towards Grandal's eye instead of the strike zone and Grandal's 2-1. and one. The next pitch is further outside. Grandal swings at it and misses on a curveball. 2-2 the count as Keller sets. The pitch on the way. Inside, ball three. Edwin Encarnacion standing on deck as Yasmani Grandal stands up there with a 3-2 count. Pitch number 21 by Keller on the way. Jose Abreu taking a slight lead. It would be nice to see him get a hold of one here. Get this fan base going. And it goes off of Grandal's hip. And Grandal will take first base on a hit-by-pitch on a 3-2 count. That's not intentional. That looks like a, uh, a curveball that got away from him there. That, that is just a pitch that got away. He's trying to work Grandal in inside because he had been going inside-outside the last three pitches. Edwin Encarnacion steps up. We're in Robin Ventura's old number. Abreu with a better lead right now than Grandal, but Grandal can't go anywhere unless Abreu goes first. First pitch fouled back by Encarnacion. Keller with his 23rd pitch of the inning. Inside, almost hits Edwin Encarnacion. That would have loaded the bases. 1-1 the count. The pitch on the way. That one is lined into the gap. Right center field. It's going to roll to the wall. Abreu's being waved around. Grandal getting to third. Will they send him? They will hold him. 
They will hold Grandal and Encarnacion with an RBI, standing at second base with a stand-up double. Grandal advances into third, and Abreu comes in from second base. It felt like Grandal could have made it home, but the way that Keller is pitching, they're going to play it safe and give Nomar Mazara a chance up here with two outs and two on. The first pitch is a strike high in the strike zone. And Keller takes his hat off and walks behind the mound. That man is stressed out right now. Pitch number 26 coming up here in the first inning of opening day. Brad Keller, this could not have gone worse for him unless Tim Anderson had let off with a bomb and a flip. The pitch from Keller low. Mazzara fouls it off and he's quickly 0-2. Second and third, two outs, 0-2 count to Mazzara the pitch. Low, almost got by the catcher. 27 pitches in, Brad Keller is 1-2 against Nomar Mazzara. And just wishing to get out of this inning because a hit is going to blow opening day wide open. It might fall, it does! One run in, play at the plate, safe, safe! Edwin Encarnacion came around, you couldn't see it on the camera angle, folks. But the ball looked like it chopped off the ground. It did not. He picked it up off the ground, so it was in play in the air. Drops in front of the left fielder. Abreu scores easily. Encarnacion comes around from second base on a one-hop in front of the left fielder and goes for it, sliding headfirst underneath the tag. And it is four to nothing White Sox with Mazzara standing on first base. The first, the first pitch to Luis Robert, he gets excited, he pops it out to second base. So the rookie will not get his first hit of his career. But the White Sox on four hits get four runs and lead four to nothing after one on opening day. Solaire will lead off for the Royals next against Giolito. This is Sox in the basement with a simulated White Sox season on opening day. Lucas Giolito now, Jorge Solaire. Tolera's got to be thinking to himself, I've got to do something here now. You, you, they got to chip away the Royals if they're going to get back into this game as the first pitch is called a strike. Tolera, 3 for 16, 188 average with eight strikeouts against Giolito. That's his career numbers. You look at the career numbers of Giolito and you're, you're just surprised at how bad the, the Royals are. Oh, Soler puts it down the first base line and there was a shift on outfield and infield shifting for him to hit it towards the left side. That thing rolls all the way to the wall and he walks into second base. So Ricky Renteria's shift does not work out. Nomar Mazzara was in right center field when that ball came off of his bat and he had to chug to cut that off at the warning track right before it got to the wall. That is rough. Hunter Dozier steps in now, the third baseman. Takes a first pitch ball. So the Royals answer right back with a man on second base and now Dozier's going to do whatever he can to get that runner in. Giolito pitches. That one's outside, 2-0. 86 miles an hour on that pitch, and nowhere near the plate. It was an exciting first inning, but I think Lucas needs to calm down at this point. Focus on what's going on in this inning and get through it. Strike outside corner, 2-1. The hardest thing for a pitcher to do is not come right out and give up a run or two after your team has scored four. That pitch is low, 3-1. It's important that Giolito does not let them get back in the game. The Sox have punched them and put them back on their heels, but now he's given up a double, and with that pitch, he's got a runner on first base as well. Ball four, 
first and second. Salvador Perez comes up. This is his first at bat in over a year after being injured and out for all of 2019. And he takes ball one low. Giolito had pinpoint accuracy in the first inning. And here in the second inning, having a very difficult time getting the ball into the strike zone. This ball was low but fouled down the third baseline, one and one. The pitch. Inside corner. And the ump didn't give it to him. That felt like it was going to be one and two instead it's two and one. Paul Carrollson used to say that you just, that changes the entire bat. And if that's true, this entire bat has changed. The pitch. Outside ball three. Giolito having a very, very difficult time on the mound. I would imagine we are going to see Don Cooper here if he walks the bases loaded. Because he looks like a completely different pitcher here in the second inning than he did in the first. That one is a get me over fastball. 3-2 the count as he blows it by straight down the middle. 3-2 to Perez. Giolito trying to come back in this at bat. And he almost got it by him on an 86-mile-an-hour slider in the lower portion of the strike zone. Still 3-2 the count. First and second. No outs. 4-0 Sox. Perez fouls a high pitch off down the first baseline. They'll reset. Giolito from the stretch. And that is a base hit in the right field. Mazzaro's going to come up throwing and hold the runners. Abreu cutting it off in between first and second. And the bases are now loaded for the Kansas City Royals. After the White Sox put up four in the bottom of the first, the Royals have the bases loaded. And Lucas Giolito with the first pitch throws one low and outside to Ryan O'Hearn. He swings and chases and he's got strike one. I was convinced that Don Cooper was going to go out and speak with Giolito, but it seems at this point he's waiting to see what his ace pitcher can do. Don't want to baby him, but I think somebody needs to walk out there and talk to him. Two straight balls now on the outside. It's two and one. Giolito steps off the mound. This is an ugly situation, and they're going to go out to the mound for a moment and talk it over. Coop's out there. We're going to be hearing later on from a former pitching coach in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization who's known Don Cooper for 20 years. And he will be here on the program talking to us about Don Cooper and the changes he made and the analytics studying that he did in the offseason. And we're going to get it straight from the horse's mouth from a friend of two decades of Don Cooper right here during this broadcast later on. That mound visit is open. I'm sorry, over. And Giolito comes to the plate. Giolito comes with the pitch. Deep fly ball center field. Robert gives chase. He catches it. Runner will try for home. Robert will just hit the cutoff man and let the runner score. Smart play. You don't want the runner to advance from second base. So they hold the runner at second. They concede the run. They get the first out. That's the smart baseball play there. Lewis Robert makes a play. I think he could have gotten the runner too. But he kind of one-half steps and just hits his, his cutoff man. It's a smart heads-up play by a rookie. Because if you don't get him, the trailer is going to be standing over on third base. Mikhail Franco steps in. First and second, one run in, 4-1 White Sox in the top of the second. With one out. The pitch on the way. Call the ball, probably a strike as Giolito resets with a 1-0 count. The pitch. Way inside. Franco's got to dive out. And we're 2-0. Laborious second inning right now, much like Brad Keller in his first inning as Giolito now throws another outside pitch well outside of the strike zone for ball three. It's opening day. I don't think you could sit around and say, we're going to bring in a long reliever right now. you got to let the guy go out there and pitch. 
and a 3-0 count and the pitch. And that's a strike. And the fans give him a cheer for getting one across the plate there. White Sox fans trying to cheer him on. Also probably a little disgusted by how this inning is going. You wait all offseason. You're pumped up. You want the Royals. You want the Royals badly. You want to get to opening day. First inning. You jump out 4 nothing. As Giolito now walks the batter, Franco. And the bases are once again loaded. And that was nowhere close. Giolito pacing around the mound right now with his hands on his hips. That's difficult to watch. Brett Phillips steps in. Hitting 138 last season. 138. Come on, Lucas. Let's put one down there. Throw it right at him, and let's take it to him. The pitch on the way. Ball one. High. Outside the zone. That was pitch number 37 for Giolito. I've been to some stinkers at opening day here at this field. And you are excited about the first inning. But when you see what's going on right now in this game, it makes you a little nervous as the next pitch is low and inside for ball two. Giolito is struggling right now. The pitch. Strike one. Two and one the count for Lucas Giolito. The pitch. Outside ball three. If he walks in the run, do you start warming up the bullpen? I think you have to. It's like he had one great inning and cannot find the plate. The pitch on the way. Strike two. It would have been a strike. He swung. He couldn't make connection. I think if Giolito puts this in the strike zone, this guy can't catch up to him. He needs to throw a strike here. Strike three down the middle. He just burns it by him for out number two. And Lucas Giolito on the brink. Gets him the two outs with that big strikeout. And his job now is not to go six. His job now is not to go seven. His job now is to get out of this inning. Everybody's fresh. Let's get through this inning as the leadoff hitter, Mondesi, comes up for a second at bat of the game. Giolito's first pitch is a strike 94 miles an hour on the outer half of the plate. Mondesi struck out in the first inning. Giolito now throw, has thrown three consecutive pitches for strikes as he tries to work his way out of this jam. Pitch number 44 of the game for him. Low, inside, swung on and fouled back. And that's two strikes. The pitch. That one's fouled down the left side. Third baseline. The pitch. Inside. Ball one. Mondesi still in the hole there at the plate. Giolito in control. The pitch. Strike three. Giolito pumps his fist and walks off the mound. He gets out of a bases-loaded jam with no outs. By giving up one run, goes back into bases loaded with only one out and gets out of the inning. Incredible turnaround from Lucas Giolito. As Leary Garcia steps in here in the bottom of the second, maybe we'll get some normalcy and run through a few innings here with the White Sox and the Royals. First pitch on the way. That one is high for ball one. Brad Keller got a chance to sit down and relax in that inning. So any kind of advantage you had is over. And that one's grounded out to first base. Goes over and steps on the bag. And Garcia goes in to the dugout, thinking to himself, I saw two pitches, and I'm already sitting in the dugout. As Tim Anderson steps up, one for one already in this game with a double and a run scored. And Brad Keller sits there and thinks to himself, man, I don't want to give up another one of this guy. The pitch on the way down the middle. Anderson chops it right up the middle. And that is a base hit. He is on base for his second hit of the game. Two for two with a single and a double. 
And Brad Keller has just got to be kicking himself because you know he came into this game hoping he could make Tim Anderson look foolish. Yohan Mankata walks up here 0 for 1 with a ground out in the first inning. Southpaw is standing up right now on top of the dugout doing some kind of weird Southpaw dance. But it seems to be making the simulated crowd very excited here in this game. And Yohan Mankata steps in against Brad Keller. The pitch. Low. Ball one. The Mets lead the Washington Nationals 2-1 right now in the fifth inning. Scores around the league starting to come here on opening day. The Chicago Cubs leading the Milwaukee Brewers 3-0 in the second. As Moncada fouls off what would have been a strike anyway, 1-1 one one the count. Anderson standing on second base. He's got some speed. With a 4-1 lead, I don't know if Ricky Renteria is in the mood for stealing right now. Keller sets the pitch on the way. And that's a big strikeout. The second time that he has gotten Moncada to swing at something far outside the strike zone where he swings so, so hard that he comes across the plate. He has worked him inside for two straight at-bats and his killer knockout pitch has been an outside fastball that Moncada has chased both times. Pitch out. As the first offering, no, Abreu, Anderson not going. Abreu, one for one with the double, the first RBI of the season, and a run scored. The pitch. Strike to Abreu. 1-1 the count. 4-1 White Sox. And that one is popped into right field, a diving attempt, but it rolls by him. Anderson on his way into third. Abreu will walk into first base. He will not go to second because even though the ball trickled by him, it seemed to die in the grass. So it doesn't roll to the wall, or otherwise that's a double and a run scored. But it's first and third as the ball drops right in front of a diving right fielder for the Royals. It's first and third for Aloy Jimenez, who's only seen one pitch today. He was very excited in that first inning. He really wanted to make something happen. He had men all over the bases and he grounded out immediately in the first inning. Keller sets the pitch on the way. Inside, 2-0 the count on Aloy Jimenez. Jimenez, one of those White Sox players with a weird number, carrying number 74. Luis Robert is number 88. These guys must think that they're uh, defensive linemen, wide receivers, hockey players for crying out loud. Two, two and one the count after that strike. As I sit here drinking my Johnny Walker Black. And oh, it is seeping into my veins as Brad Keller sets the pitch. That one's outside. Swung on and fouled off. Two and two the count. Pitch number 44 by Keller on the way here in the bottom of the second inning with two outs and two on. That one is outside. Three and two the count. Two outs, two on. First and third, Grandal on deck. And Brad Keller with a full count trying to get through the second inning without any damage after he gave up four in the first inning of play. The pitch. Swung on and fouled down the right field line. Keller resets with the pitch. And that is popped into center field. It's a can of corn. And that is the third out. So the White Sox threaten with runners on first and third with two outs and are unable to get a run in. Going in to the top of the third, it's the White Sox four, 
The Royals won. Gordon, Merrifield, and Soler are up next. It is a White Sox simulated season opening day from Sox in the basement. As Alex Gordon steps in, I would like to remind everybody that Westgate Music School, that is my partner, Dave Kohut's Music School. Westgate Music School is still open during the lockdown of the real world, and he's doing everything virtually. Ball one on that. So that means you can learn a musical instrument. As this pitch is grounded to Leary Garcia, it hits right into the shift as he's almost directly behind Abreu as he fields it in the outfield and tosses that one the first for the first out. One away. As Whit Merrifield steps in, 0 for 1 with a fly out on the first. Giolito sets with the pitch. And after this pitch, I'll tell you a little bit more about Westgate music. That one's low and outside, but no, they're going to call that a strike. Strike one. 0 and 1 the count. Westgate Music is doing all of their lessons right now online virtually as that one is fouled off and it is an 0-2 count. And that means you can learn a musical instrument right now with Dave sitting in your house. And I know a lot of you have a lot of time on your hands. That one's low, ball one, it's one and two. So if you're interested, look up Westgate Music School right there on your interwebs, sign up for a class, and, and he does it all different ways. I mean, you name the virtual program they're set up to do it on that program as that one is belted into right field but run down by Nomar Mazara for the second out of the inning. And Soler steps in with two outs and Giolito seems to have calmed down a lot in this third inning. And that's a big thing. Ground ball, left side through the hole and Garcia was actually playing behind second base so they were shifted in that direction and he still found a hole between Anderson and and Garcia. If Anderson's just playing shortstop without a shift, that is the third out of the game. So sometimes the shift kills you, and he has had two hits against the shift. He had the first hit Solaire as Hunter Dozier steps in and takes ball one, and Solaire is standing at first base. He had the first hit down the first base line right where Abreu would have been standing in a normal defensive alignment, and it went for a double. And it turned into the only run that the Royals got and started off a rough inning for Lucas Giolito. He gets the second hit, hitting in exactly where Tim Anderson would have been, 2-0 pitch on the way, and it's 3-0 now, high and inside. He gets the second hit exactly where Anderson would have been if there was no shift, and instead, he finds a hole. He's got two hits because the White Sox are shifting. 3-0 pitch on the way here, in the top of the third with two outs. And that is high and a four-pitch walk by Giolito. So for the second time in this game, Lucas Giolito puts on a runner and then loses where the strike zone is. And this is highly uncharacteristic of Lucas Giolito. Sal Perez stepping in now. He's one for one. He had a single in the second inning. And Giolito again with two on, but two out this time. First and second in the top of the third. And that is a ball that I felt was a strike. That ball was right there. If you, if you could see the strike zone, that ball covered more of the strike zone than not the strike zone. And the pitch tracks, and they call that a ball. And now the next pitch is in the exact same spot, and it's called a strike, one and one. Giolito has thrown 60 pitches and has yet to get out of the third inning. It will be a difficult road for him. Ricky Renteria may need to manage this team like a National League club with a long reliever or two today as Giolito offers the next one for ball two. Again, Giolito in gut check mode. He's going to have to find a way to get out of this inning. 
The pitch on the way, foul back, two and two the count. And at this point, Lucas Giolito needs to find his stuff. That one is low, borderline pitch, and they are not going to call it. And we're going to have a full count. And Lucas Giolito cannot believe it. And now he shakes off Grandal for his 64th pitch of the game. High curveball. He tried to drop a curveball back into the zone, pitching it on high, and he almost got it by, but it was fouled off. The next pitch, outside portion of the plate, he strikes him out looking, and Giolito gets out of yet another men-on-bases jam with a strikeout to end the inning. Grandal, Encarnacion, Mazzara, next, the White Sox lead, 4-1, to one, going into the bottom of the third. Yasmani Grandal up at the plate. He was hit by a pitch on a 3-2 count in that four-run first inning for the White Sox. And he chops the first pitch foul towards his own dugout. Really pretty day outside today, 60 degrees. As this one is taken on the outside corner for strike two. White Sox fans have to be excited about the beginning of this game. They have a three-run lead early. But I'm sure they'd like to see more offense especially looking at the fact that their their pitcher has been laboring on the mound. Giolito's going to definitely have to get you through the fourth and into the fifth inning, I would think. But if he gets into trouble in the fifth, I could see Ricky Renteria pulling him early from the game. As Grandal goes down swinging on a low inside curveball, and there's one out. Keller with a wicked, wicked curveball there. Brought Grandal down to one knee in the follow-through with his swing. Edwin Encarnacion steps up to the plate. Edwin was everywhere in that first inning, including headfirst sliding into home plate on a bang-bang play. After he hit a double and drove in a run, he got the fourth run of that inning on a heads-up base running play. Just getting in underneath the tag, and he's got strike one that he took. And the second pitch, they're going to say he went around. You know, you I think you need to appeal to the, to the first base umpire in that one. It didn't look like he went around, but... 0-2 the count to Encarnacion. He fouls off an inside pitch because now he's protecting. Nope. They're going to say that it, he did not foul that off. I thought I heard a tip as well. That's strike three. A weird at bat for Edwin Encarnacion. Nomar Mazzara up now. And he's 0-1 quickly with a fouled off. He had two RBIs on a single in his first at bat for the White Sox. For all the doubt given to Nomar Mazzara. For him to come up in that situation. With two outs. And drive in two and bust the game open. That right there is just what the front office wants to see. I don't think he's going to be a star, but they think they've got something that the Rangers couldn't unlock, and there's a lot of potential there as an inside pitch brings him the 2-2. Two and two. The pitch on the way. Outside corner, strike three. Mazzaro doesn't like the call and throws his bat in disgust as Keller walks off the mound pumping his fist. And after three, we got a 4-1 ball game. Four runs on six hits for the Sox. One run on three hits for the Royals. They're up next in the top of the fourth. White Sox simulated baseball from Sox in the basement and Cork and Carey at the park. Opening day, ladies and gentlemen, top of the fourth inning. Lucas Giolito has pitched 65 pitches at this point. He has struggled mostly in the second inning after a very smooth first inning. There is a shift currently on right now, and the shifts have been killing the White Sox. Ricky Renteria has been deploying shifts out here, and now he's got Ryan O'Hearn up to the plate, and he's got everybody basically standing over on the right side of the field. Meanwhile, Giolito is 2-0, and hoping to get back into this count. 
Sox need him to get things back together again. If he labors through this fourth inning, we could see a tie ball game before we get to the fifth. As this ball is driven deep, way back to right field. The shift knew where it was going, but you can't shift into the stands. And that is a solo bomb by Ryan O'Hearn to kick off the fourth inning. And it is four to two, Chicago White Sox. The Royals tack one on, and Lucas Giolito has been struggling after a great first inning. He's had to battle to get out of the second inning, battle to get out of the third inning, and the fourth inning starts off very inauspiciously. O'Hearn with a bat flip after that one as well. That one got out at over 102 miles per hour, 421 feet into the Goose Island section. Mikhail Franco, the DH for today, walked in his first appearance to take strike one here as Lucas Giolito now needs to get it together, get through the fourth inning. The pitch, low, swung on, fouled off. 0-2 the count, the pitch on the way. Swung on, belted into left field. We got a man there. Aloy Jimenez didn't even need to move. That one comes straight to him in a line drive for him. He just sticks his glove out and grabs it, and that's the first out of the inning. It was not that Giolito had anybody fooled there. It just happened to be that he hit it right where Jimenez was standing. A laborsome game for Lucas Giolito, yet he still has a lead 4-2. and two. And sometimes that tells you a lot about a pitcher. He doesn't have his stuff. Something happened between the first and the second inning. But when he's needed to reach back and get the big strikeout, he gets out of bases loaded with a strikeout. He gets out of two on with a strikeout. He's fought his way back at one point with men all over the bases and in a 2-0 count to come back and strike out the batter. He has been able to dig deep, but how many times can he continue to dig deep in this game? As he's now 3-1 with Mondesi on deck. Brett Phillips is a terrible hitter. You have to go after this guy. He struck out with the bases loaded in the second inning, but he has walked on five pitches here, and Lucas Giolito continues the labor through opening day. It's very difficult to compare the two pitchers here because Keller, he's given up four runs and looked terrible in the first inning. And he's given up six total hits. But he isn't laboring now. He seems to have gotten it together. Meanwhile, that big first inning by the Sox as Mondesi takes ball one and he's one for 19 lifetime against Giolito. Two strikeouts today. This is the guy you have to go after. After that first inning, he has been laboring, unable to find the plate, although he finds it right there, and he's 1-1. One one. 80th pitch on the way for him, and it's only the top of the fourth inning. And Mondesi swings a junk and can't find it. 1-2 and two the count. This is the guy you have to get because he cannot hit you. I mean, Alberto Mondesi cannot figure out Lucas Giolito. He drives this one, though, into the right center field gap. That one is to the wall. It is gone. A two-run home run, and Lucas Giolito has given up a tying home run to the Royals. With one out here in the fourth inning, it is four to four. So now your starter has come out, and after looking sharp to start off the game, now this could turn into a softball game between these two pitchers, and the bullpens are going to get used. I didn't know if that one was going to clear. Both outfielders standing at the wall as it cleared. Just getting over the wall, and it's 4-4, four to four, and Giolito remains in there. 
But you have to wonder whether or not, if you can't get Alex Gordon here, if you'll start to see movement in the bullpen. Because you, you want to win this game. You want to start off things on a solid note. Maybe he didn't get enough work in spring training. Maybe he's not all the way there. But you're not going to blow out his arm. And you're not going to have him pitch 110 pitches in this game. So just a, a very rough start. He's just got to go out there and do some work now. He's 1-2. and two. And depending, I think, on this batter, is going to see whether or not you see a call to the bullpen. Alex Gordon, then Whit Merrifield is on deck. One and two the count. Pitch number 85 for Giolito on the way with one out in the top of the fourth. And this one is fouled down the line. We did not expect a long game here today, but both pitchers have had laborious at-bats. Nobody has been dominant today. Although there is a strikeout by Giolito on a wicked low and outside pitch out of the zone. He gets Gordon to chase. He is doing everything he can right now to hang into this game. Although I do not believe he comes out to start the fifth inning. It is too early in the season, and he has been struggling. Two outs here as Merrifield comes to the plate. He's 0 for 2 with two flyouts. I think Ricky Renteria would just love to see him get through this inning so he can bring out somebody who he depends on as a long reliever to give him innings 5 and innings 6 and then be able to hand this over to his bullpen and hope that his offense can find what they had in the first inning. They looked really good in the first. They looked really good in the second. They had a rough third, but they've been on Brad Keller. And you wonder how long Keller will be out there on the mound. It becomes a pride thing at some points. Like you have to decide, is, is Lucas Giolito, is, does he have anything left? And I just don't know if he's got anything left. He's got a, a look of consternation on his face. You know he did not want to have this kind of game. You know he wanted to come out there and just blow the doors off of people. I think with that 4-0 lead, he just got excited. And when and, and all of a sudden the wheels came off. And although he has dug deep and gotten out of some things, the 3-2 pitches on the way here with two outs. And that is popped up in the center field. Robert on his horse, and he gets it right in the gap. He covers a lot of ground. That ball is much closer to Jimenez than Robert. But Robert runs it down. He will lead off the bottom of the fourth inning. Robert Garcia and Anderson, 4-4 tie. Luis Robert to lead off the bottom of the fourth inning for the White Sox as they have double barrel action going down in the bullpen. Carson Fulmer is out there, and it looks like Jimmy Cordero out there as well. The major league debut of another MLB top prospect. The White Sox have promoted three guys in the top three on the MLB top prospects list over the last three years. If you count 2018 as Moncada's first full season in the big leagues. As we see Fulmer and uh, Cordero warming up out in the pen. 0-2 to Robert, though. He's yet to get his first hit. And it's going to be a struggle, I think, early on, figuring out Major League pitching. But he has adjusted at every level as he flies out in the center field for the first out. And the White Sox expect him to eventually adjust here in the majors. Leary Garcia stepping in now. Leary 0-1. And he swings and misses for strike one on a low inside fastball. Brad Keller with the pitch. That one's fouled down the third baseline. Next inning, we intend to talk to a special guest here we're going to have. I'll introduce him here in a second. As this one is flied out to left field, can of corn, and there's two down. Tim Anderson coming to the plate with two outs. Sacks going down easy here to Brad Keller. In the bottom of the fourth inning, T.A., though, has been all over him. Two for two with a single and a double. And a run scored. And he ended up on third base in the second inning. 
So Tim Anderson has been all over Keller and the Royals in game one of this season. As this one is high, but he belts it. Deep into center field to the track, but run down. T.A. didn't think he had it, but he gave it a ride. The fans got excited. At the end of four, it's 4-4, all tied up. White Sox Royals. And the White Sox will kick off the fifth inning with a brand new pitcher. Rough start for Lucas Giolito. He gives up four runs over four innings. And Jimmy Cordero comes in. And he will try to start the bridge that will build to the back end of the rotation. His first pitch is just inside for ball one. Cordero came along uh, last season for the White Sox, and White Sox fans really got excited about him. He, he had some very, very good innings that he would put together for them from time to time. And a lot of people are waiting to see if he takes another step, if he regresses, or if they just get what they got in 2019 as he winds. And this one bounces to the backstop, but it was swung on for strike one, and it's 1-1. Next pitch is fouled off. And the next pitch is low, outside, but swung on. He chased, and Cordero sits down the first batter that he faces. Giolito pitched 92 pitches over four innings. Four walks, five strikeouts, four earned runs, five hits. That line is just rough. You know that's not what he wanted. And joining us right now on the phone line as Dozier steps in here on the top of the fifth inning. Take strike one from Cordero. Eric Minshaw. Eric is a rookie ball developmental. And the very next pitch is fouled off. Eric is a developmental guy. He helps pitchers. He's a pitching coach. Uh, he was in rookie ball for the Pittsburgh Pirates last year. Uh, he has since moved on with the shakeup in the Pirates organization. But has explained that the reason that he was moved on is because at the time before Ben Charrington moved in there. As the next guy goes down on four pitches, Cordero is bringing heat, strikes out the next one. He's struck out both batters that he has faced. We might have to get to this interview here in the next inning. We'll see if we can fit it in. Minshaw has known Don Cooper for a long time, has been a pitching coach for a long time, but is an analytics guy. And the Pittsburgh Pirates had moved on from him before the upheaval right at the beginning of things before their general manager had been tossed and before Ben Charrington got in there because they didn't want analytics. They wanted him to just use his eye. And I think most of us know that that doesn't work. As quickly, Cordero has his next batter 0-2 against him. So we might get to Minshaw next. He has some interesting things to say about Don Cooper and what Cooper did in the offseason in terms of figuring out how to use the analytical data and how Don Cooper's using it He's known Don Cooper for almost two decades and gives us a little bit of insight as a 99-mile-an-hour pitch on the corner goes for ball one. It is one and two. Cordero trying to get through this inning. One, two, three. He struck him out on an outside pitch. One, two, three. Three strikeouts for Jimmy Cordero and the White Sox pitching staff finally sits the Royals down. We go to the bottom of the fifth. All tied up at four. Yohan Mancada leads off the bottom of the fifth. Eric Minshaw will be up in the top of the sixth inning. I want to do it when the pitching staff is out there. Minshaw going to talk a little bit about Don Cooper and what he did this year, is that's ball one to Moncada, what he did this year in the offseason to start bringing in analytics, looking at the data, and how he's using it as a coach. 
He had a very interesting conversation with Coop in the offseason. And Minshaw is an analytics guy. So he will be on here in just moments. 2-0 to Moncada. Double barrel action going on in the Royals' bullpen. Moncada with a slow roller to first base. Keller over to cover. And there's one gone in the bottom of the fifth. And as Abreu comes up with one out, Herrera and Fry also warming up in the bullpen. Cordero looks so good. But you also don't want to take a relief pitcher and overextend him. So with the sixth inning still ahead, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth, Renteria might be sitting there saying, I've got my six, my seven, my eight, and my nine. I'm going to have these guys all pitch one inning. But you do have a 4-4 game. So at some point, you don't want to end up with Carson Fulmer out here in the 10th inning. So it'll be interesting to see if he brings out Cordero to see how he looks, but he's ready to be able to pull the trigger. One and two the count to Abreu. Keller now in the mid-70s in pitch count. He has lasted longer than Giolito and given up the same amount of runs. So when it looked like Keller was going to be the GOAT of the game, Giolito had a rougher outing. Neither one of these guys did very well as Abreu swings at a high outside pitch and chases it and strikes out for the second out of the inning. Lots of offense at the beginning of this game. Now the pitchers getting the better of the hitters on both sides. Aloy Jimenez, 0 for 2 in this game. Swings at the first pitch and fouls it down the first baseline. He's got a fly out. He's got a ground out. Let's see him get a hit. Jimenez has been known to put a little bit of pressure on himself. Interesting story about him last year, and this is a true story. Uh, we were contacted by somebody who lived in his same apartment complex. And when he came up, the apartment complex was having a problem with the HVAC unit. And all of the residents, including Aloy, would be seen walking the hallways in the middle of the night because they were they were cooler and the heater was broken, and the rooms were too hot, and everybody was waking up because they were exhausted. And if you look at the numbers, Aloy Jimenez actually hit better on the road when he first came up than at home because the man wasn't sleeping. He's got a 3-1 count on him now. That's a true story. That ball is hitting to the gap, but it is going to hang up there way too long. Jimenez flies out to left center field, and that ends the inning. We go... To the top of the sixth. Four runs on five hits for the Royals. Four runs on six hits for the White Sox. O'Hearn, Franco, Phillips. Up next, Ryan O'Hearn had a home run. Solo in the fourth. Drove in a run. On a sack fly. He has been doing some damage as Jimmy Cordero is going to at least start off the top of the sixth inning for the White Sox. He looks so good that it looks like Ricky Renteria wants to see whether or not he can get a couple of batters out of Cordero, but I guarantee you that Herrera and Fry are standing out there ready and waiting as the first two pitches are fouled off, and quickly O'Hearn is 0-2. You could make the argument that Fry should come in here so we could have lefty-on-lefty action, but Cordero looks so good, and he strikes out O'Hearn on a low outside fastball, three pitches and he's down. And Jimmy Cordero is the spark out of the bullpen right now that is riding the ship, at least on one side of the ball, for the White Sox. We'll see how long he can keep it going. We still have two pitchers waiting in the bullpen. The pitch on the way. Fouls back the first offering, a 97-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball to Mikhail Franco. Jimmy Cordero has faced four batters and has struck out all four batters after a Lucas Giolito stumble he had a great first inning he stumbled in the second he got out of trouble in the third 
And then the score got all tied up. Two home runs given up in the fourth inning. Cordero now in here. That one's fouled off. He's 0-2, trying to get his fifth strikeout against five straight batters. Again, the bullpen's ready to go. But how, do you, how does Ricky Renteria take him out until he shows weakness? That one there was on the corner. I thought that was his fifth strikeout of the game. Four batters face, four strikeouts, 2-2 count to his fifth batter. That one is high as inside, high and inside. And we've got a full count. And this is the thing with relief pitchers. They've only got tw- uh, so many pitches in him. He's got 22 now. He's pitched one and a third. He was on fire. But when the fire dies out in the adrenaline, can you still bring it enough and figure out how to get the guy out who's up at the plate? Cordero, the pitch, and he walks him. Jimmy Cordero with four strikeouts and one walk. It'll be interesting to see what Renteria does here as Franco goes down the first base with one out in the top of the sixth inning and him with a bullpen ready. Brett Phillips is up, but he's a lefty. He's not a very good batter. But Jace Fry is going to be the guy that's going to come in here. That was a great, great run there of five batters by Jimmy Cordero. After such a difficult couple of innings where the White Sox saw a 4-1 lead erased. Actually, a a 4-0 lead erased over a period of three innings with two bombs in the fourth inning by the Royals. And then Cordero comes in and strikes out the side of the fifth and strikes out the first batter of the sixth inning before giving up the walk. Herrera is sat down. Ciszek is up right now. But remember, Fry has to face three batters or finish the inning under the new MLB rules. And he's quickly got Phillips 0-2 with a man on first and one out. It feels like this year for the first time in in a long time, the White Sox have a bullpen. And... If you have a bullpen that can do things, like get you through a few rough innings, it changes the entire game. And they do have guys. Fry's a good pitcher. Cordero just showed that he's got some fire coming out of the pen. You've still got Ciszek, who you brought in from uh, this offseason. You still have Aaron Bummer available for you as that pitch is in the dirt. Grandal blocks it and looks back the runner to first base. You've, you've still got Colome. You've still got guys out there that can do things. That is a called strike three on the outer upper part of the plate in the strike zone. Outer part of the plate, upper side of the strike zone, and he froze him on that pitch. Comes over Phillips' shoulder, and it just loops over, and he his knees buckled on that one. And we've got two outs. Fry now has to face the next batter, though, under these new rules, or otherwise you would see Ciszek. Or you would have seen Herrera, but because Herrera has been warming up for a while, you got to sit him down because you don't want to wear him out. And Mondesi gets a lefty up here instead of a righty. So this is the first time we've seen this. Remember, Fry is very good at that loogie thing, but Fry's stats changed last year if you look them up when he has to go up against a righty. In fact, Fry was the second most used pitcher in a loogie situation. And what I mean by that is. He was brought in to face one guy, and there was only one other pitcher in all of Major League Baseball who was brought in to pitch to just one guy as many times as Jace Fry. And now with these new rules, you don't know what's going to happen. He's 2-1 right now on Mondesi. The pitch on the way, and that is strike two. Inside cutter, lower part of the plate. 
And the fans trying to egg him on here as he pitches. And that one is fouled down the first baseline. That was dangerous. That was almost a double. And that could have been a run-scoring double if there would have been speed on first. But Franco cannot run. Next pitch on the way is fouled off as well. Two and two the count. Pitch number 12 on the way from Jace Fry as he tries to finish out the sixth inning. And that is called a ball. Three and two the count. Alex Gordon is on deck. He would be the third batter that Fry had to face. But he'll have to face him. As this one is fouled off down the first baseline. It's the beginning of the year. Everybody's got their strength. You hate to have a bullpen day. But it is opening day, and I think you'd like to get a win here to start off the season. This one is fly down the right field line, but Mazzara chases it down near the foul line. That was fair trailing foul. He caught it. I don't know if it would have been fair or foul when it dropped. He caught it right on the line. A beautiful play by Nomar Mazzara. Fry is out of the inning, and the White Sox head to the bottom of the sixth. And Jesse Hahn will take the mound in relief for the Kansas City Royals. He had a 13.50 ERA last season in limited action. And Yasmani Grandel, who's 0-for-1 with a hit-by-pitch and a run scored, will step in to lead off the sixth inning. There are people across the podcast world who think that Yasmani Grandal should be the leadoff hitter. And it's hard to argue with that. But Tim Anderson is the leadoff hitter right now with Yohan Moncada batting second. And Moncada's had a rough day in the two-hole while Tim Anderson has flourished. So it's very hard to make an argument, at least today, about Ricky Renteria's lineup. 2-0 count, the pitch on the way, and that one is fouled off down the third baseline. I completely forgot about Eric Minshaw. We are going to get to him. Brooks Boyer also scheduled to appear here during the game as Edwin Encarnacion waits on deck. We are in the bottom of the sixth here. White Sox simulated baseball network, Sox in the basement. As this low pitch brings Rondal to one knee, but he is able to foul it off, and the count is still full. The pitch on the way, swung on and belted. Deep right field. If it's fair, it's gone. That is off the pole. And Yasmani Grandal lifts one out. And the White Sox take the lead. Five to four. Listen to that crowd. He got all of it. The right fielder took one step and just looked at the pole and leaned his body hoping that ball would not go fair and he puts it off the top of the pole. It flips off the top of the pole and lands in the fourth row of section 108. A beautiful ball. Estimated distance would be 426 feet if it wouldn't have hit the pole and bounced. And the 108ers get their first home run of the year. Good for them. And the White Sox had the lead now 5-4. Encarnacion, one for two with a double, an RBI, and a run today. And the second pitch then, Encarnacion is also a ball. Two lefties warming up in the Kansas City bullpen right now as they have now given up the lead and the Sox have regained it. And Encarnacion is in the catbird seat right now. And that one is ball outside, ball three with Mazzara waiting on deck. And we have a rattled Kansas City Royals relief pitcher on the mound and a chance for Encarnacion to make some noise. The pitch, borderline strike call, but it is a strike three and one. Grandal, that was a bomb as Encarnacion fouls that one off. He hit it, and he knew it. At least, I mean, he didn't know if it was going to be fair. I don't think he knew it was going to be fair. As that one is fouled off as well, still three and two. But the outfielder knew that if it was fair, it was gone. Because it was a rocket. And an inside borderline pitch is called for strike three. Encarnacion had the bat on his shoulders. 
And he is the first out of the inning is Nomar Mazara. One for two today with a single and two RBI steps in. We've already seen one White Sox acquisition hit a home run. It would be nice to see another White Sox acquisition hit a home run. Kansas City relief pitcher's last name is the same as our general manager, Han. It'd be nice if, if Rick Han could just suit up and give up a few bombs so we could get the, get a big lead in this game. As that one is fouled off as well, and Mazzara is quickly 0-2. Bottom of the sixth inning here, 5-4 White Sox. Mazzara grounds this one, the short, easy play. Oh, he dragged him off the bag! He dragged him off the bag! That is an E5. He had plenty of time, but Mondesi pushes O'Hearn well towards second base. He had to make a diving play, basically, to stop that ball from rolling down the right field line, the first base line in the right field. And Mazzara is on because of an E5. And they got a base runner here with Luis Robert trying to get his first hit of his major league career. Strike one to him. 93 miles an hour in the upper half of the zone, dead red. And Robert needs to needs to kind of figure out major league pitching. This ball's in the dirt. Mazzaro does not go. Nice block and a smart move not to go. White Sox fans kind of on their feet right now because you get the hit. You've had the home. You had the error. You had the home run. You had the error, and then you had that pass ball almost. But now, oh, quickly racked up. We got a five to four to three. He hit it right to third base on the one hop, almost like a line drive. Robert hits into a double play. But at the end of six, the Sox have the lead five to four. We go to the top of the seventh at the rate. Steve Shishek comes in. He is going to kick off the seventh inning. You can go Bummer. You can go Colome. And you could get through this thing with your pitching right now. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that Cordero and Fry found a way to get him through those middle innings. And now the, now the Sox have a plan here. Eric Minshaw is a pitching coach of, and has known Don Cooper for almost two decades. And he spoke to us a little bit about Don Cooper as that is strike one. And his deal with analytics and how he adjusted this year to a catcher that wanted to learn about analytics and a staff of young pitchers that want to know what their numbers are. And this is what he said about Coop just recently. Second, I'm friends with Don. I've known Don for about 20 years. Um, you, if you can't get along with Don Cooper, you're, it's your fault. So I saw Don, uh, actually the day after I saw Kyle in Nashville, we spent some time together talking about that very subject. And um, you know, he's done a good job of educating himself because he is getting a lot of younger guys that are coming through. They want to know what the data is and where it's being collected and how it's being collected and how you can use that to make yourself better. So um, you know, Don is probably one of the most respected uh, pitching coaches in the big leagues and has been for a long time. Uh, he's pretty much got a job for life in Chicago, uh, and he's earned that. But Don told me something uh, several years ago that really stuck with me, and I just said this at a uh, forum that I was teaching at. Don said, uh, you know, the best laboratory in the business is the bullpen, and he's, he's correct. That's where you figure a lot of things out. That's how you get better is, is your side work and getting your bullpen work done, and he's really uh, started to uh, uh, get along with the technology program because he's figuring how to teach better with it. As Shishek strikes out the first batter on seven pitches. And I want to thank Eric Minshaw for checking in there. It's very interesting to hear him talk about Don Cooper and conversations that he had with him in the offseason this year. Minshaw, of course, with the Pirates organization until recently and was tossed out of there because 
he believed in the analytics and the numbers, and they wanted him to just use his eye when evaluating people. And I'm sure Ben Charrington wishes he could rehire him back because he got into Pittsburgh, and the guy was fired before he was hired. That was a mistake, I think. You might see Minshaw eventually in the Sox organization because of his uh, his relationship with Don Cooper. Shishek now moving along. He's got one out here in the top of the seventh, but he's 2-0 on Whit Merrifield. So it's interesting to talk about that. Let's talk about a little bit about what he said. First off, it was obvious listening to Don Cooper talk as it's now 3-0. Don Cooper talk at MLB Network about the fact that his players wanted to know more about the numbers and that Yasmani Grandal is a big analytics guy and really wants to be able to break down things. And one of the reasons that he came here to the White Sox is because they told him how they were going to do that. So it was almost like, hey, we got Yasmati Grandal Coop as C-Sheck walks Merrifield. And they kind of told him, you know, we got a catcher that wants to do this. You got a lot of young players, Coop. You're going to have to learn it. It sounds like Don Cooper was very receptive to it. It sounds like Coop is like, if I'm, if I'm taught it and I know it, I'm still going to be a coach. I'm still going to be a teacher, but this is another tool. As uh, the runner goes, and he is safe. Man, and that is not on Grandal. That was a huge jump. Ciszek was completely unaware of the big jump, and he doesn't let go of the ball until that base runner's taken three steps to second base. And we got a runner on second here on a 1-0 count. And Grandal now in a crouch, watching the runner, worried about whether or not he's going to try for third. 1-1 count. Top of the seventh. Stocks hanging on to a one-run lead here on opening day. Fan base is electric today. Check swing, 2-1. It also sounds like Coop goes to somebody that's a good friend, in Minshaw, who is that kind of guy, and talks to him about it, and he went to a friend. Like, he wasn't just taught by anybody. He went outside the organization and sought ad- advice from other people, and I think that's very encouraging. As that is a swing and a miss, and it's two outs now. Ciszek could very easily come out of the game at this point, and you could very easily bring in somebody else, but I think the intention is to have him pitch this entire inning. That was a wicked pitch. He's got that sidearm delivery. And he started off behind a right-handed batter. And by the time this ball comes out into his batter's view, he couldn't tell if it was going to be across the plate or two feet outside. It was two feet outside, and he swung like it was across the plate. As this one here, just underneath the elbow of Hunter Dozier. 1-0. Runner on second base. 5-4 White Sox opening day. Top of the seventh. Ciszek. That slider looks effortless. It looks like he's doing soft toss with a wiffle ball. And it's quite a thing to behold when he throws at. His delivery does not look like he's bringing heat. He just threw a 90-mile-an-hour sinker. It looked the same as the 84-mile-an-hour pitch that he threw beforehand. It's not like he's bringing heat. He's just confusing you with that delivery. And it seems to rotate as that is strike two on another sinker, but on the other side of the plate, he seems to, to his arm angle seems to change constantly, even if the pitch is the same. He threw one sinker with his arm straight out. The other one looked like he was going into a submarine a little bit. 3-2 count, runner on second, two outs. I thought it was also interesting uh, what Eric Minshaw said about the fact that Coop thinks that the bullpen is a proving ground. I would not be surprised with all the starting pitchers that are out there. If somebody is having trouble, they move into the bullpen a la Chris Sale, but they can still have a path back to being a starter especially if that's Don Cooper's philosophy. The pitch on the way, inside pitch. He fouls it off deep down the right field line, the first base line in the right field. 
and will reset 3-2 count. Ciszek the pitch. And that is low and outside for ball four. And he's got two men on now. And I think that the Ricky Renteria is going to walk out there. And now it's not Renteria. Here comes Coop. Thought that was Renteria for a second. Coming out of the dugout, it's Coop out there. And he's going to have a conversation with Steve Ciszek as Salvador Perez comes in. One for three. Still a righty-righty moment. I don't think that Ricky Renteria wants to continue to bring in pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. This is Steve Ciszek's inning. The fans are on their feet, and they're egging him on. Pitch number one is low, but still a strike. 90-mile-an-hour slider. Catches the strike zone right at the knees. He was dead red down the center of the plate, but at the knees of Perez held off and was frozen. Own won the count. Big moment here for the White Sox. 5-4 to in the top of the seven with two outs. Two men on. Line drive. Caught by Abreu. It was on a hop. Flips it to Ciszek. And that ends the inning. A very athletic play by Abreu. A very athletic play by Ciszek. And the White Sox are out of the seventh inning. Five to four Sox. As we head to the bottom of the seventh. Let's get some more runs. And as the Sox kick off the bottom of the seventh, Leary Garcia is up. And then that will flip the order back to Anderson and Moncada and Abreu and Jimenez. And let's get everybody up this inning. As that one's a ball high. Aaron Bummer, Kelvin Herrera. They are out there in the pen throwing. A lefty and a righty. If the Sox really want to, in the eighth inning, they can play matchups. But you can't play them too much with this new rule. But you're going to have both these guys ready. I would imagine you start with Bummer, and Herrera is just there in case. But Aaron Bummer is such a good pitcher, I feel like the eighth inning is clearly his. As Leary Garcia swings on a curveball, drives it down the first base line. The right fielder gets over and catches it right near the foul line, right at the track in front of Section 108, near the bullpen sports bar. I'm sorry, the Goose Island whatever section. And here's Tim Anderson, two for three. He's got a double, a single, a run scored, and he hit one to the track at one point that was run down. He has been all over Royals pitching, and I think White Sox fans would love to see him get an insurance run with authority right now at the plate. Jesse Hahn is still in there for the Royals. It is surprising they brought the reliever out there after he had such a rough inning, and he's almost to 30 pitches. But the Royals are playing with fire right now with a day off tomorrow. I would think you would just use your bullpen because you don't have to pitch tomorrow. But they've decided to march Hahn out there, and good for them. That only helps the White Sox. As that one is fouled just to the right, of the bag at first base. Almost fair. This one here down the right field line, giving chase to the corner, and he caught it at the wall, right in front of the 335. On the wall. That is the second one that Tim Anderson has given a ride to that has been caught on the warning track. T.A. looking to, to pick up where he left off last year. Meanwhile, Yohan Mankata, he had a rough spring training. He's had a rough start to his season here. Mankata's 0 for 0-1 right now here in the bottom of the seventh. He still has not reached first base. And I still think this is an MVP candidate. Some guys start slow. But it's a nice day out today. Warm. The sun's out. There's barely any clouds. And I know it's a shock to the system to go from Arizona and warm weather. There's still a chill and the shadow has now crept across home plate, and it's sitting right in between the pitcher's mound and home plate. And so that throws off the batter, and oh, Mancata goes down on three pitches looking. And what's crazy about that at bat is 
He went down the first couple times, swinging at pitches outside of the zone. And this time, he takes one, and it's just barely inside the strike zone on the outer part of the plate. And he's lost so much confidence on how he's swinging at pitches just outside that he takes on this one, and it was clearly a strike, and it was strike three. So, Yohan's luckily got 161 more games in front of him. As Aaron Bummer stands in, throws first pitch strike, and immediately gets the second pitch fouled off. He's 0-2 immediately, and he's working it against Ryan O'Hearn. And he goes down swinging on an 88-mile-an-hour cut fastball, tailing away from him as Aaron Bummer comes in and sits him down. And I think White Sox fans at this point, when they see Aaron Bummer on the mound, they know that Alex Colome is out there. They want to believe. Whether or not you do believe it, you want to believe the game is in hand with a one-run lead. That you have the pitchers and you have this incredible framer in Yasmani Grandal that you should be able to get through the bottom of the order here with Franco and Phillips with Bummer and bring Colome up to face the top of the order as your closer and win this game. Although it would be great if you were able to get an insurance run here in the bottom of the eighth inning. And you're going to have the bats up to be able to do it. You're going to have Abreu, Jimenez, Rondal, Encarnacion as the first four guys that are going to step up to that play at the bottom of the eighth inning. So if you're a Sox fan right now, you're happy. You're a little upset. The beer sales have been cut off, but I can see people still drinking in the stands. So I think White Sox fans, unlike many other fan bases, it's a one-two count and the pitch on the way. And that one's fouled off. Unlike many other fan bases, are very good at understanding that you have to get that spare beer to keep underneath your seat sometime at the end of the sixth inning, beginning of the seventh, before beer sales are cut off. Because there's plenty of drinking and revelry going on out there. As my son Dominic would say, hashtag drink em. As Bummer stands in there now in a 2-2 count, plenty of fouled off pitches, and that one was like a... He just threw that one outside, seeing if he would chase you got a 3-2 count with Brett Phillips on deck, but you really want to get Franco here. This is the eight hitter in their order. You're a stud pitcher. You've got a big-time extension that you just signed. Let's go. That one was a 95-mile-an-hour sinker that he just got a piece of and will reset. 3-2 the count. Pitch number 13 from Bummer on the way. And that one is belted in the left field. Jimenez on his horse, and he catches it up against the wall. That was, you know, when you see Aloy Jimenez run back like that, it's an adventure. And my heart moved up a little bit in my throat because I didn't think he was going to be able to track that one down, but he did. And Aaron Bummer owes him a drink after that because that could have been trouble. He wasn't getting over the wall, but he caught that over his shoulder as his foot was hitting the warning track and had to slow himself down real quick before he hurt himself and injured himself against the wall which uh, Vegas is giving odds that Jimenez injures himself twice in the outfield this year, and it's it's only a 3-1 bet. The very next pitch is a fly out to Luis Robert, and that ends the eighth inning. The White Sox still lead 5-4. Abreu, Jimenez, Grandal, up. Bomb of the eighth inning. Jose Abreu comes to the plate, two for three. He's got a double, single, an RBI. I want to say thank you to everybody for hanging in there and sticking with me here through this you know first time ever broadcasting a game I've never done it before I'm starting to feel the flow or the Johnny Walker double black is sinking in that one is ripped into the gap and that is 
bouncing off the wall in the right center field gap. Abreu is standing at second base as it hits the cutoff man with an easy stand-up double. Han is still in the game for the Royals. This is a brutal mistake by the Kansas City Royals, and the White Sox are finally capitalizing on it. I want to send a shout-out to our brand-new sponsor, Sox in the Basement signing the deal today with Family Waterproofing Solutions here on the South Side. If you are looking to get something done in your basement, these are the people that you want to go and talk to. Family Waterproofing Solutions, they're currently closed in the real world because they're trying to help people out. They're trying to do the right thing. But when they get back to work, and they expect to be back to work soon because they've just been designated as an essential business to be open, as the first pitch to Jimenez is low and inside. They are family-owned, husband and wife duo. The husband is a veteran. So you have a female-owned business and a veteran-owned business for waterproofing. And it's a family thing. As Jimenez hits this one deep, way back! Gone! He just watched it, folks! He dropped the bat after he hit it and stood there and admired a bomb to deep left field. Aloy Jimenez with an exclamation point. Two insurance runs at seven to four. And you have to question the Royals at this point. Running with the same relief pitcher for three innings. What are you saving them for with the day off tomorrow? That one hits the last row in left field underneath the kids' deck. And Kevin McCarthy is finally called in from the bullpen. Terrible managing. Terrible managing by the Kansas City Royals. And the White Sox benefit from him. And McCarthy's not a, not a great pitcher. 1.48 whip last year in 56 games. You can see Grandal and the White Sox pour on more runs here with no outs in the eighth inning. Seven to four. This is big. Hopefully the White Sox can hold on here and, and get a win here on opening day. So let's get back to family waterproofing solutions. The veteran, Ken, United States Marine. I mean, here's a guy who I sat down and I talk with, and he's like, Chris, I've been through worse than this coronavirus thing. I'm not, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I know he's one of the only, if not the only person in his profession who has shut his business down because he's doing the right thing. While others can say they have the right to stay open because they're an essential business, he shut down. And not only did he shut down, this Marine veteran and his wife are paying his staff in full during the shutdown to make sure they could take care of their families and feed them. And he is our newest sponsor here on Sacks of the Basement. And we haven't even gotten the commercial ready for him because we just signed him today. And he has signed for the entire 2020 season and off-season through 2020. Family Waterproofing Solutions, and we are happy to have them on board. So let me tell you a little bit about them. As it's a 3-2 count to Grandal here, 7-4 lead here in the bottom of the eighth for the White Sox. And that one is fouled and almost takes out the third base coach. They will diagnose and repair wet or leaky basements. Proceeds from every job goes to veterans and first responder organizations 
to support your frontline defenders. That means if you go to my friends over there, as this is a ground out to the right side, and Edwin Encarnacion comes up to the plate with one out. Ground out the first base there by Grandal. The second pitch on the way, and it's one and one. If you go see my friends over there, every time you get something from them, they're giving money back to vets. They're giving money back to first responders. That's incredible to me. I want to make sure you have the phone number for them. We're going to talk a lot about them as everything goes on here. And remember, if you reference Socks in the Basement to them, they have specials specifically for Socks in the Basement listeners. And they're doing estimates still as Encarnacion grounds out and Mazzaro grounds out on the first pitch. Aloy Jimenez hits a bomb to give the White Sox a 7-4 lead going into the ninth inning. Folks, I'm going to give you that number to Family Waterproofing Solutions, and we're going to see the top of the ninth with the Sox up by three next. And Aaron Bummer will kick off the ninth inning because he's got a three-run lead, although Colome is warming in the pen. Ricky Renteria trying to see if he can get through the game. As this one goes off of Brayu's glove, he turns, he throws, bang, bang, play at first place. Bummer was covering, but the Royals have a run around right away. I don't know if you want to start with your closer here or not. I mean, you do have a three-run lead, and you do have Aaron Bummer, but you do have Alex Colome. So before we continue on here with the game, as Alex Gordon steps in, and Mondesi stands on first base. Family waterproofing solutions. He's going to have to wait a second, as now we have a base hit in the right field. Runner trying to take third. He runs back to second. We got first and second. Aaron Bummer comes out, and two pitches, two men on. And the tying run coming to plate. You have to question Ricky Renteria not going to Colome immediately because now you have a situation where the Sox are in trouble and Aaron Bummer's out there and he's going to let Bummer pitch the first pitch here. And that one's low and outside for a ball to Whit Merrifield. And you kind of hope that Ricky Renteria has a plan and he does. Alex Colome is now coming in after that pitch. So Sox trying to not have to use uh, Alex Colome. But now he's got to come in with two men on and a tying run at the plate with no outs here in the ninth inning. And it's gotten much more interesting with that decision. He'll face Whit Merrifield already with a 1-0 count. We'll see how he does, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about family waterproofing. His head is a strike, and he's even the count immediately. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to familybasementwaterproofing.com. I want you to check out all the things they do. And they're doing, they're doing estimates right now over the phone. So you can call them up and get some work done while you're stuck inside of your house. You let them know that we told you to call as this one has popped out to Jose Abreu. And right away, Colome has one out with Solaire to the plate. Family Waterproofing Solutions, 3328 West 95th Street. But right now, all you can do is call them 708-330-4466. That's 708-330-4466. The newest Socks in the Basement sponsor, and it was just in time for opening day as we are simulating the White Sox season opener and all White Sox games that cannot occur in reality right now due to COVID-19. 0-1 count. The pitch on the way. Soft fly ball. Right field. Mazzara underneath it. Out number two. The runners will not advance as Mazzara flings one and hits Moncada standing at third base on a fly. And he was deep in right field. That was a cannon arm. There are two outs, and the fans are on their feet here as the White Sox with a three-run lead, but two men on with two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Go for the win. The first pitch to Whit Merrifield. 
is a ball. I'm sorry, Hunter Dozier. I got confused there. Too many Johnny Walker Blacks. Hunter Dozier to the plate with a 1-0 count. That one is grounded. Leary bobbles the ball. He bobbled the ball. Everyone is safe. Leary Garcia bobbles the last out. It hit him in the hands. It was an easy 4-3 game-ending ground out. And now the go-ahead run at the plate in the form of Sal Perez. The tying run at first base. The base is loaded. A 7-4 game in the top of the ninth with two outs. Colome brings the pitch. And that one is outside for ball one. At this point, you're with Colome. You're not bringing in anybody else. You're sticking with him at this point. The fans are on their feet egging him on. It's one, uh, I'm sorry, a 1-0 count. 7-4 is the score. I'm flustered. I'm flustered. I can't believe that Garcia bobbles the ball there. 1-1 one one the count. Simulation Leary Garcia sucks. And that is a strike. One and two as Colome tries to bail out simulation Leary Garcia. I don't know if real life Leary Garcia sucks as bad as simulation Leary Garcia. One, two count. The fans on their feet. The 10th pitch of the inning for Colome. Bases loaded. Two outs. The pitch on the way. That's a check swing. Did he go? Did he go? No. And why don't you appeal that? Two, two count. The pitch. And that is outside three and two. I swore he went. He went further than Encarnacion went a couple innings ago. That bat was across the plate that should have been the end of the game, and the umpire couldn't pull the trigger. 3-2 count. Bases loaded. Two outs. 7-4. Colome. The pitch on the way. The fans on their feet. Opening day. High. And he walks in a run. It is 7-5. Dan Gummett. He had him. He had him on the strikeout. And the White Sox get ripped off by yet another umpire. The rebuild may be over, but the White Sox are still getting ripped off by umpires in big situations. As Ryan O'Hearn steps to the plate, he's got the tying run on second, the go-ahead run on first, and he's already got a two-run home run. The fans on their feet looking for Colome to save this game. The pitch. Ball. Low. 1-0. and feel like I should start talking about family waterproofing solutions because he was pitching so well when I was trying to get that commercial out. And now that I'm not giving the commercial, he's 2-0. Alex Colome having a hard time here. I don't think you go out and interrupt him here. But I think if if he walks a guy or gives up a hit here, well, you just hope it's not tied 7-7. The pitch on the way. That ball is fouled straight back 2-1. The tying run, 180 feet away on second base. The go-ahead run at first, and that's ball three. Could he walk in another run here? with Mikel Franco on deck. And do you panic or say the bottom of the lineup is up and they've done nothing all game, so let's let him pitch. The pitch. Foul back, it's 3-2. We will have another 3-2 count with the bases loaded. It is 7-5. The White Sox enter this inning up by 3. They're only up by 2 with the bases loaded. The pitch on the way, and it is fouled off down the third baseline. The second one he's put down there that is a souvenir over the nets. Colome sets. 3-2 pitch. Oh, and he walked him again. A low-cut fastball. They were hoping he would chase you and not. And now it's time to panic a little bit. It is to 7-6 here in the top of the ninth. Mikhail Franco comes up 0-2 with two walks. After a quick talk in the mound, Colome deals. Strike one down the middle. 90-mile-an-hour cut fastball to Franco. 0-1 to count. The tying runs on third base, and the bases are loaded. The pitch on the way. That one swung on. Abreu bobbles it. 
tosses a Kalome. He beats him by a half a step, and the White Sox win. That's a White Sox winner on opening day. Jose Abreu knocks down what would have been a triple. The ball rolls between his feet. He picks it up. Colome on the spot gets to the bag and beats the runner by a half of a step. And the White Sox are 1-0 on this young season. And if every game is like this, this will be a simulated season that is going to give me a heart attack. Folks, thanks for listening to Sox in the Basement. Doing game one of 162, and I hope we don't do a lot of these. I want to get back to the ballpark for real, but we will keep bringing these to you. Thank you for joining us as the White Sox beat the Royals 7-6. Jace Fry gets the win. Alex Colome with the save. Jesse Hahn takes the loss. Jose Abreu, 3-for-4 with two doubles, an RBI and two runs scored. Aloy Jimenez with that big home run. He was 1-for-4, 0-for-3 until he got up there in the eighth inning and in a two-run bomb that may not have landed yet. Yasmani Grandel also had a bomb. And don't forget Tim Anderson early on in that game with the single and the double that got us going. Even though the uh, he was only 2-for-4, the other outs were right at the warning track. Jose Abreu, your player of the game, and the White Sox escape a, a just a game that w- that had your heart in your throat. And I know this is only the first game, but it is so much fun to win at opening day. Remember, Sacks in the Basement is brought to you proudly by Cork and Carry at the Park. Remember to check out Family Waterproofing Solutions. Remember to check out Westgate Music School and support those that are out there supporting us. Sacks in the Basement is back Saturday with a live podcast while... Game two of this series takes place, and we may even have Dave down here while we do it. And you will be able to call in and talk to us while the game is going on. For myself, Chris Lanuti, my producer, Dominic Lanuti, the 12-year-old son with his brand-new podcast, Socks for My Bunk Bed. I'm sorry we could not get to Brooks Boyer. We bumped him. We'll maybe get to him on Saturday. We will see you Saturday for game two against the Kansas City Royals. The White Sox get the win. 7-6, opening day, all brought to you by Socks in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Goodbye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.